0: So, the table matters. And just a quick review for those that were here and for those who may not have been here um, Debbie Titus is a 70 year old amazing woman of God that has a teaching called The Table Experience. And I heard her message at a women's conference a few months back, and it completely revolutionized my way of thinking and changed how I look at the common everyday table. And um, I've taken her teaching played it on my heart, and God's just given me more revelation um, on the importance of the table, and we learned a lot last week, and I love seeing on my Instagram and Facebook posts, families having dinner together at the table, praise the Lord, device free, after they took the picture, they put the phone down, right, and sent it to me, I love that, I think that more than we realize, um, the enemy comes in to steal, kill, and destroy, and Table conversations, table dinners, table meetings really matter to the Lord. And I proved it in the Word last week. Um, I hope that my wives here, my moms, um, considered the food that they're getting as God's blessing and took it off the paper plates. Can I get an amen? Maybe not. Or if you didn't, because Debbie says, how dare you take the food that God gave you and put it on paper plates? And it just struck my heart. So at least get the decorative paper plates. Come on, somebody you know, right, I mean, praise the Lord, or real plates, because I'm telling you right now, a bologna sandwich looks better on a glass plate, right, and you're still giving thanks for your food, so, and of course, here, here again, a little review, the table is a place of provision, can I get an amen, no matter where you are in your life, God will prepare a table for you in the wilderness, come on somebody, okay. The table is a place of blessing. We talked about that last week. That when you were invited to the table, as King David did for Mephibosheth, he was lame, he was disabled, but he still had a place at the king's table. So do we. We're lame and disabled, but we still have a place at the king's table. Hallelujah. Um, Of course, the table is a place of connection. That's where Jesus Christ connected with saints and sinners. Come on, someone. Remember last week I said Jesus was at the bar? He was. He was known as a drinker and a glutton because that's what he was seen doing all the time, but he was winning people to himself. And of course, the table is a place of worship. Then when you worship at the table, meaning you can talk about Jesus at the table, the presence will fall. Can I get an amen? When you start talking about the things of God at the table, his presence does show up. And you will begin to worship God for who he is right there at the dinner table, because he's just that good. So the table is a place of provision, a place of blessing, a place of connection, and a place of worship. The table matters. Tell your neighbor, the table matters." matters. It matters what happens at the table. So so here it is, I'm thankful to be teaching you part two of this. Pastor Steele asked me to do it, to continue this message, because he's heard good things about it. Thank y'all for the PR, praise the Lord. He's hearing good things about the message. He hasn't even heard it yet, but he's going by faith, amen. He knows it's a good message, people's lives are being changed, and I just want to tell you that I'm grateful and thankful to be before you to teach what God has placed on my heart. You know, Jeremiah 3.15 says this, it says, and I will give you shepherds according to my heart that will feed you knowledge and understanding. And of course, I'm not the main shepherd here, Pastor Steele is, but as his wife, the co-shepherd, if you will, I'm grateful that I get to feed you knowledge and understanding. You realize that's what we come to church to do. We don't come to church to sing, although that's great, or to praise, although that's awesome, or to find a boyfriend, praise the Lord. That's not why we come to church, right? Okay. I love your hearts. We, we, we come to church because we're going to be fed. When you come to church, you should be ready to eat. Come on, somebody. You should come in here hungry for the things of God, and you should be like, I'm ready to eat. Where's my spiritual knife, spiritual fork? I got my plate. I got my napkin. Come on, somebody. And I'm ready to devour the word of God because here's where Pastor and I feed you knowledge, knowledge of the word and understanding, help you understand what the word is saying. We're not here to prophesy to you, although we can. We're not even here to really pray for you, although we can do that too. The word says shepherds are raised to feed you knowledge and understanding. And I'm honored to be your chef today, praise the Lord. You can just call me Chef Kelly, hallelujah. I I prepared this meal for you, it's not too hot, it's not too cold, come on, it's just right, all right? And you're going to eat it, you're going to digest it, it's going to change all of our lives. So I'm here to feed you knowledge and understanding. So here it is, here's my first point, people of God, when we come to the table, because the table matters, we need to understand what drives us to the table. Something should always drive us to the table. The table of what? The table of the Lord. Something should be driving you to the table. Usually we all sit at the table because we're hungry, right? We want to eat something. Some of us maybe take our hunger a little too serious and we can actually be seduced if we're at the wrong table. Can I get an amen? And I'm going to share this story with you really quickly because I thought it was hilarious to my whole point here. But but we all have different reasons on why to get to the table, why we go to the table, and why we eat at the table. So Proverbs 23 1 and 3, it says this. It says, when you sit down with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you're a man given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies for they are deceptive food. Okay, and this scripture popped out at me when I was studying this past week about how food can deceive you and food can get you in trouble and food can have you doing the wrong things. Amen. Okay, when a man takes you out on a date, woman of God, well, before you're a woman of God, Usually takes you to get what? Dinner. And usually after dinner, they're expecting, thank you, Minister Jerry, sex. Oh, are we going to act like we're innocent? It's almost like you feel obligated. Well, I ate some biscuits and some meat. Okay, you know, not, that's not right. But, but it's deceptive. <laughs> oh, come on, guys. Before you were saved, if you took someone to dinner, you expect some dessert. I love the godly minute. Thank you, man of God in the back. Praise the Lord. Okay, so here's my story. I had the same situation with Pastor Steele. Um, I would found out that I was pregnant with my third baby. We just got the ultrasound back. It was a girl. And so Pastor always told me in high school, if I have a girl, I'm going to name her Stella. Now, when you're 19, Stella is not the good name back in the 90s. Okay, a cute name was Jasmine, right? Remember, because Aladdin, Jasmine was like the popular name, or something better than Stella. So I got away with it the first time because we had Mariah, praise the Lord, okay? Although he wanted to name her Queen. I had to talk about that at the hospital. Long story. Anyway, that's why she's Mariah Queen. But point is, I'm pregnant again with the third baby, so, Stella, or, so Pastor goes, I'm going to take you to dinner. He took me to my favorite Mexican restaurant, y'all. Come on, it was so good. The lights were low. The food was great. We're having a good time. We're talking about the baby, talking about it's a girl. He's just talking about our future. And at the end of the meal, he says, I want to name the baby Stella. And I was like, okay. And on the way home, I'm thinking, okay, I got four months to change his mind. Come on, somebody, okay? And so we're driving to go pick up our kids from his mom's house, who was watching our children, and he walks in the door, and she, he goes, mom, it's a girl, and we're naming her Stella. And she's crying, and he's crying, and I'm crying like, no! Everybody's crying, and, and she's so happy, being excited, I'm like, Oh my gosh! I don't want a daughter named Stella. So I was telling my daughter last night, Stella, the story, and I said, "Girl, all it takes for your mama is a good chimichanga. <laughs> you know, some chips and salsa, and I'm all yours. <laughs> don't take much. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but the word is saying here, if you desire, or if, if you if you're given to your appetite, praise the Lord. Basically, you could be seduced with food. Do you see how important it is and how careful you have to be and how serious at the table relationships matter? So that's my story. I was deceived by my ruler, Pastor Steele, to name my daughter Stella, which, of course, I love that name. It fits her perfect. It's beautiful. But when you're 19, you don't want their baby name Stella, you know, praise the Lord. So here it is. Um, What's at at the table? What's at the table? Here's, Here's my first point here. What drives you to the table? It should be your soul. That drives you to god's table the word of the lord says in psalm 107 and 9 it says for he satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry soul with goodness and if you're here today and you feel like your soul or your emotions or your inward man is not satisfied i wonder are you sitting at the table are you being driven to the right places we go to the wrong places to be satisfied but we know that satisfaction does not last long right sugar is like sin and steak is like the protein right And so if you get the sugar, you get it, and it's good, and you're satisfied, you have energy, but you all know if you don't burn that right, it turns into fat. Come on, somebody. And then you're tired, and then you want more of the sugar. Sounds like sin, right? But if you eat protein, or you eat good things of the Word, it fills you up. doesn't taste as good. Can I get an amen? Okay, but whatever, it's good for you. Amen. Praise the Lord. That just messed up my whole point. Point is... If you're longing in your soul, the Word of God says that He satisfies the longing soul and He fills it with His goodness. John 6 and 27 tells us this It says, Do not labor for the food for which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set His seal on Him, on Jesus. Okay? When you do not labor for food that perishes, food goes away, right? It gets old. If you don't eat it in enough time, it spoils. But aren't we glad that the word of the Lord does not spoil or gets old? It doesn't get outdated. Thank you, Jesus. That it continues to last a long, long time. In fact, it lasts forever. Come on, somebody. So, what drives you, what should drive you to the table, is a longing soul. A thirsty soul should push you to the table and I'm thankful that we have a table to go to in Jesus Christ so so here it is what are you eating at the table my second point what are you eating at the table in other words what are you craving what do you crave Um, you know Matthew 5 and 6 says blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness so God is telling us in the scripture that we should be craving and thirsting and hungering for righteousness We should be wanting more righteousness. Um, And then we're filled if we crave it, if we desire it, we'll be filled. Nothing will satisfy you more than the righteousness of God. What is righteousness? It's learning and doing or eating and digesting what is right in the sight of the Lord. When you read the word of God, it gives us clear examples of what is right and what is wrong according to God's word. When you crave righteousness, you're satisfied with righteousness because sin is never satisfied. Can I get an amen? Flesh is never satisfied. In fact, Proverbs 27 and 20 says this. It says, hell and destruction are never full. So are the eyes of man, never satisfied. Or the New Living Translation says, the desire is never satisfied. Human desire is never satisfied. We always want more and more and more. Who's gonna be honest and say, yes, that's true. Our flesh always wants more. It takes a very disciplined life to have a cookie and be done. Can I get an amen, somebody? It takes a disciplined life to have one kernel of popcorn, right? It, it, it takes discipline of life to say, I'm not gonna watch that movie over and over again, or I'm not gonna go back and buy more clothes or shoes. Come on, ladies, are you in the house? It takes discipline to say, I don't need my 51st pair of shoes. Although they're so cute and on sale. Okay, but, but discipline says, because when, when, we, 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 if you have money, look at people's lifestyles. Usually there's seven cars, four houses, because the sin, our flesh is never satisfied. We want more within our flesh. And here's the crazy thing. Typically, when you crave something, you crave the wrong thing. I don't know anybody that's craving a good head of lettuce. <laughs> Come on. I don't know who's really craving an apple. Not, not, not really. You should eat one, but you don't wake up, man, I can't wait to get that red delicious apple. No. <laughs> Usually when you crave something, you crave the wrong thing. And so here I am on this journey trying to get my life together. I'm trying to lose weight, want to lose weight, want to do better for myself. I want to live a long life. I want to be healthy. So I've been making major lifestyle changes. And I would lie to you today if I told you I enjoy my dairy, my dietary, what I have to eat. I hate, I hate vegetables and I hate water. Praise the Lord, somebody. And if you're trying to lose weight, you have to have vegetables, fruit, and water. And I hate it. I hate every minute of it. If you ever see me a salad, please know I'm not happy. I'm very sad within myself. And I'm mad that all the other people can eat what they want. And I got this lettuce on my plate. I'm very mad about it. And I don't like it. In fact, yesterday I made all the kids tuna fish sandwiches and chips and good stuff. And I'm eating some Brussels sprouts, pretending to enjoy it. And I hated every minute of it. I can't stand it. I hate it. And because I'm not getting what I crave. I miss what I crave. About a month ago, I was in my room, woke up one morning, and I had a craving for pancakes. I don't know why. I just wanted pancakes. Pancakes, just light and fluffy and golden brown with some butter and syrup, just pancakes. Yes. Hallelujah, somebody. And I I went to pastor. I said, babe, I really want pancakes. He goes, why? I said, I don't know, but I just really want some pancakes. But I can't have them. That's what I'm telling you. So help me. Okay, babe, don't get the pancakes. A couple days later, baby, I really want pancakes. Kelly, what's going on? I don't know. I said, but the fat girl in me wants pancakes. And he goes, well, tell the fat girl no. <laughs> Which, I, I love me and Patrick could talk like this. I'm like, okay, no, down girl, down. So I'm not gonna get the pancakes. So four days go by, and I'm still wanting pancakes. I'm working out at working out in the gym on the elliptical, wanting pancakes, on the treadmill, wanting pancakes. Of course, a Denny's commercial came on on the treadmill. And I'm like, is this a sign of the Lord or is this the devil, I'm not sure. And and, and I'm wanting pancakes. And I'm like, I don't know what it is, but I just want pancakes. And I called pastor. I'm like, baby, you got to help me. I want pancakes. He's like, what's wrong with you? I said, I don't know, but I'm craving pancakes. Nothing will satisfy me but some pancakes. And then finally, I drove into biscuits. Y'all know biscuits and surprise. Great restaurant, good breakfast food. I drove in the parking lot and called my husband as an intervention. Babe, I'm in the parking lot of biscuits. (laughs) Now I have a choice. I I, want to go in and get the pancakes. Kelly, don't get the pancakes. I'm just confessing my fault to one another that I may be healed <laughs> and he goes Kelly just leave you can do it and I did I left I didn't get pancakes come on give God praise somebody <laughs> hallelujah yes I deserve the organ on that one no pancakes but the point is I craved them and the craving did not go away for like 10 days and that's what craving does it will leave me. I, it was morning noon and night and nothing would satisfy and that's what sin does to our flesh when we want what we want and we have to fight it, it doesn't just go away. But the word says if you resist the devil, he will flee. And it takes some time to resist him. He does leave. So, but you have to fight through the cravings. you got to fight through the cravings. Listen, 1 John 2, 16 through 17 says this. 1 John 2, 16, 17. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. Can I get an Amen that's what the word says it says the world only offers a craving of physical pleasure a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions and then the word goes on and says these are not from the Lord okay it's from the world amen we crave these things it's from the world and then it goes on to say and the world is fading away along with everything that people crave everything we crave is fading away but anyone that does what pleases God will live forever so we have an outlet to fight the cravings, people of God, that we realize that we, we, we do crave. Aren't you glad the Bible tells us that we crave pleasure? That's a blessing. At least he's keeping it real. We crave pleasure, and we will do whatever it takes to have the craving satisfied. But we have to say, God, you are more than enough. I'm at the table eating of you. You're going to satisfy me. I want righteousness. I want to live a right life according to your word, and that's going to make me full in the name of Jesus. I will not crave the things of this world any longer because it does not satisfy. Snickers satisfy is a lie. They need stop lying on that commercial. No, it doesn't because you need at least five. <laughs> oh, come on. Where are my big people at? Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. <laughs> I gotta get some water, hold on. Psalm 37, 3 through 6 says this Trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. When you're at the table of the Lord, you can feed on his faithfulness. What does that mean? It means to remember how God's been faithful. The reason why we talk about the faithfulness of god you realize we're feeding we're eating we're eating the truth of the word that you feel better when you start talking about how faithful god was to you and how god is faithful he'll never leave you nor forsake you how he was faithful to pastor and faithful to your neighbor and faithful to your grandma faithful to the, the people in the bible when i read that faithfulness i'm feeding off that it should give you fuel to keep on fighting the good fight of faith when you feed on his faithfulness The next time you feel like you're in a drought or you're impoverished in your spirit, begin to talk about how God's been faithful. Read the word. I tell people all the time, when God does something for you in your life, write it down in a book somewhere so when you're going through, you can open it up and look at your journal and be like, my God in heaven, you were faithful back in 2010. You were faithful back in 2008. You were faithful back in 2015. You are faithful. I'm feeding off God's faithfulness. Matthew 4 and 4, you all know the scripture. It says, but it is written, when Jesus was being tempted in the desert after fasting for 40 days, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Understand this, people of God. You come into church, although I'm feeding you knowledge and understanding, I'm glad you're here. But it's not enough. You listening to some CDs and DVDs, some Christian songs is not enough. You listening to people on the internet is not enough. You need to pick up the word of God and begin to feed on the word. Okay? You got to read the word of God. I'm a, I should get a bigger hand praising that. You got to read this Bible. You got to read the word. We live by what's spoken in the word and if you feel like you're dying and shrinking, it, I guarantee it's because you're not reading. I understand that we're in a technology world, and you've got your phone, and I appreciate that, but there's nothing like having a Bible with some pages. Come on, somebody. It, it's an amazing book that actually speaks to your life. You've got to read the Word of God. The Word changes you. The Word grows you up. You grow when you read the Word. When you, when you feed what you read, you begin to grow read and feed feed and read read the word stop depending on people to give you a word pick up the word read the word digest the word chew on the word come on the word of God will change you it's the word of God that changes you Hebrews 5 12 and 14 Hebrews 5 12 and 14 we're going to get in this right now I can't wait talking about spiritual immaturity come on somebody It says for for this this is what he says in Hebrews for by this time you ought to be teachers I love this I love this here he is Paul's telling them all y'all by this time should be preachers you know enough it says you need but here I am to teach you again it says this you have come you have come to need milk and not solid food for everyone who partakes only in milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is a babe But solid food belongs to those who are full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised, discerning both good and evil. If you are a child of God and you have yet to discern what good and evil is, you are a babe in Christ and you're still drinking that milk. Come on, somebody. If if you're living for Jesus Christ and you know what the word says about fornication and you're still fornicating. Oh, this is a good word today. Like, like you're on purpose planning a fornication moment, okay? I'm not saying it was here in the moment in the backseat of the car and it happened. Listen, grace, mercy, we get it. But if you go with the lingerie on, ready to go and throw down and you're not married, I'm telling you right now, something's missing in your spirit. The word is clear what it says you're supposed to do. And and if you're still in that situation, you're drinking the milk. And the word says you should be teaching this by now. But because you're so drawn by your flesh and you're so want to be satisfied with your sexual craving, you can't even master what God says. You can get a grip on it. You can get a hold on it. Oh, this is good teaching today. And I just chose fornication because me and Pastor were the biggest fornicators in Arizona. I always say he was forna, I was Kate. Come on, somebody. But I know it's spiritual immaturity. It's hard to sit under the Word and know what the Word says and live in that lifestyle. And Paul's saying, listen, by now you should be teaching this. you got to stop doing You know right from wrong. You know good from bad. And if you're not doing it, it's because you're choosing to drink on the milk and you're not a babe. After a while, if you feed a baby milk too long, they begin to malnourish and die. At some point, you got to give that baby some solid food. Come on, somebody. Same in the spirit. You've got to start eating some solid food. Chew on that, I know it's difficult. When you read the word, it should bother you sometimes. It shouldn't be goosebumps and all bells and whistles. You should be like, oh, got to work on that, got to work on that. Oh, my God, that's me all day. Come on, somebody. Oh, Father, help me, Jesus, I am a mess. Oh, let me regurgitate this word and think on this and change my life. Something is wrong with me, but thank God your word is telling me that if I feed on his faithfulness, I can change. You must eat the word of God. you got to eat the word of God. The word of God, you've got to eat it. Tell your neighbor, read your Bible. Come on, tell your neighbor. Read your Bible this week. Do you do you know that if you have a Bible, again, this is why I like a page Bible, you could be going through a hardest time in your life, and the Lord will direct you to open the Bible, and you'll flip it open, and it'll give you exactly what you need. Is there a witness? Am I the only one? You could be thinking about a scripture, and you open it, and magically, no, no, supernaturally, it opens, and God is like, you're in tune with me, I'm talking to you, the Word is living, the Word is active, you're on target, daughter, you're doing exactly what I called you to do. But the mature go to the Word. The immature immature go to the milk, but I want some word. Come on, I'm sick a second on the titty. Come on, somebody. I need some some milk, meat today. Come on, somebody. Let's grow up and get some meat, get some steak, get some chicken, get some protein. Stop depending on the milk. Amen. God is good. I'm saying it because I love you, and I'm sick of seeing people struggle and fall, and it's because they're not taking five minutes to get into this word god can do more for you in five minutes in this word than an hour on facebook and on instagram and on the phone five minutes in this word can change your life when you eat the bread of life it becomes alive hebrews 4 and 12 tells us for the word of god is living and powerful it's living and powerful the bible comes alive when you read it anybody remember that movie the never ending story it was back in the day back in the, good movie but the, I love it because the whole book was alive and when I saw the movie I said that's like the word of God whatever you read happens can I get an amen it becomes alive to you it begins how can you read the same scripture five different times and affects you in five different ways depending on where you are it is a supernatural book So it says here, for the word of the Lord is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. The word of God, the meat, the bread of life, the word that we're supposed to eat, separates soul and spirit. It separates your soul and spirit. It separates your emotions from the spirit man, okay? That's what it does. And then it goes on, and disjoints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When you begin to read the word, you begin to understand that your heart is evilly wicked and deceptive. Who should trust it? Come on, somebody. When you read the word, when you read the word, you realize, man, my thoughts are crazy and I'm embarrassed, God, because you know my thoughts are far off and I'm embarrassed I haven't thought that. Come on, somebody. And then you learn that God loves you with an everlasting love because he knows your nasty thoughts. Come on, someone. And still loves you and wants to use you. But when you're reading the word, it separates the soul from the spirit. The word of God is the answer we're looking for. When you eat the word, it heals you. It makes you better. I was um, going with a... You know, being a pastor, I love it. It's an honor. Again, I'm your chef. I thank God for it. Wouldn't want to do anything else. I know I was called on purpose to lead God's people. I'm thankful to God for that. And we have ministers in the house that are doing the same thing. But when you're pouring out on people and giving them good counsel that they don't take and they do the wrong thing, it gets it gets a little taxing. Come on, right? It, it, it's hurtful when you give out good counsel and they don't take it. And, and you feel like, man, your life's falling apart. If you just did what I told you, you wouldn't be here. Of course, you don't say that. You think that, praise the Lord. But when you're pouring out on people and people are taking advantage of you and your time and they do the wrong thing and then they blame you. They blame you because they did what you told them not to do, but now it's your fault. Now the church isn't working anymore. It gets hurtful. And can my ministers in the house say Amen. Okay, and you almost feel like, I don't even know if it's worth it because I should just keep my, I should keep this to myself. I'm not going to, I'm going to keep my pearls to myself. Come on, somebody. You start getting mad and defensive. I'm not going to help anybody anymore. It's real because it's hurtful when people take wrong advice and do the wrong thing and then blame you for what you told them not to do. So anyway, I'm in my closet feeling sorry for myself as a pastor, having a little bit of a pity party, if I could be honest, about how much I pour out and how much I pour out, and it's not getting taken right, and I did the right thing, and I said the right thing, and God, you see it, and you were there, and then, you know, it's, when you start defending yourself to the Lord, and you're like, God, you were there, and then the Holy Spirit says, "Read, open up your Bible, and I'm like, okay, yes, Lord, I go to my Bible, and I find a scripture in Philippians 2 and 12 through 17, Philippians 2, 12 through 17, write it down, i read it it's basically paul talking to the church of philippi saying listen i'm not here do good when i'm here do good stop tripping don't argue encourage each other get along come on do this th- nothing's changed get along with each other love each other do the right thing grow in the lord okay and then he ends it with this in verse 16 he paul says hold fast to the word of life so that i may rejoice in the day of christ that i have not run in late and run in vain or labored in vain i was feeling like i was laboring in vain okay Paul says that I don't want to feel that way and then he says this in verse 17 yes and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice of service of your faith I am glad and rejoice with you so I'm like Lord what are you trying to tell me here you know I don't understand what you're trying to say because you know you realize when you read the word you're not supposed to walk away you're supposed to think about it when you read the word you're supposed to chew on it marinate on it let it be in your spirit for a little bit of a day okay And I'm like, Lord, what are you trying to say here? And then God reveals to me that, listen, you are just like him. You're nothing but a drink. And I'm like, okay, fine, I'm a drink. And then I started thinking about a drink. You know, when you go out to eat, after they give you the bread, what do they give you? Water. And if the water cup's empty, they come back and refill it, don't they? And guess what? Water's free. They don't charge you for water at all. You can have water all day. They'll come back and refill your water and give you the water. And if the water's even a little bit empty, it better be back full. Because we're not having no empty glass of water. Come on, somebody. Same with us as preachers and teachers and ministers. We better be full all the time. And the moment we get a little empty, we better fill ourselves back up with the Word of God because there's somebody else that we're going to have to minister to and give them the water. And then I took it even a step further. Okay, a drink when you go get something, you go get a Pepsi. Nobody cares about the Pepsi. Can I get an amen? When you're eating a good steak and some potatoes and some biscuits, hallelujah, no one stops and says, oh my God, this Pepsi though. Nobody cares about the Pepsi, and guess what? Pepsis are free refills. Any Coke product or pop, whatever you call it, wherever you're from, it's pop in my world. Whatever pop you get, it's free, and it's refill. It's no value to it. It's no value to it. Nobody cares about the Pepsi unless it's flat, just like preaching. Nobody says much about the preaching, but if you have an off day, come on somebody. I don't know, a pastor wasn't all there today. I wasn't feeling it today. I just, I didn't really get that word. I didn't shout like I used to. He just seemed off. No, we're allowed to have a flat day. My God in heaven, we're people. But if you've got a flat Pepsi, you stop everything, get that waiter and say, your machine is broken, I need something else, it's not good enough. But my point is, there's no value in the drink. So God is telling me, daughter, stop wanting to be valued. There's no value in the drink. I called you and that should be enough. I gave you the word in your mouth, that should be enough. Stop looking for validation through people with your gift. Just be a drink offering for me. And the reason why I share that story is because when I was feeling in myself and I was in my feelings, the Holy Spirit says, Go to the Word because the Word divides soul from spirit. Soul from spirit. Stop being a baby. Get in the spirit. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get in the spirit. Stop complaining. Get in the spirit. Stop murmuring. Get in the spirit. Stop crying. Get in the spirit. Woo. The Word divides the soul and spirit. That's why every time you try to pick it up, you all of a sudden get tired, or somebody calls, or the, a good TV show comes on. Come on, somebody. Satan want, does not want us to divide the soul and the spirit. The word divides the soul and the spirit. So, 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 so here's my next point, people. God, Who are you eating with at the table? Who are you eating with at the table? Ask your neighbor, who are you eating with at the table? You know, your company matters. The company you keep matters. Amen. Psalm 1 and 1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, nor has a seat and relaxes with the scornful, nor that's comfortable with the scornful, that's kicked back at the table with the scornful. What's the scornful? Someone who mocks or makes fun of God. We think it's a mean person. No, 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 it's when they make fun of God. If they talk about the Jesus you serve, Oh, you're going back to church again? Oh, I guess God's going to do it. Well, I thought you prayed to God. Where is he now? I thought God was going to do it. Why is he not there? Those type of people, the Word of God says you're blessed if you don't sit with them. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts bad habits. Don't think that's just for your little kids. That's for us adults too. Don't be deceived. Before you had a habit of coming to church. Now you've got a group of friends that don't go so much, and pretty soon you're hanging out with them at the football game. Your habit got changed because of bad company. Oh, come on. This is good teaching today. It's easy. It's e- Listen, don't evil company corrupts good habits. You weren't coming to church every Wednesday, but all your friends that you sit at the table with got you all in the empire, and you got to find out what Lucius and Cookie is doing. <laughs> and it's not good enough to DVR. You want to watch it live with your bad friends, and now you're not at church anymore. Evil company corrupts good habits. That finale, though. Okay, anyways, let me go. I really didn't watch it this season. Was it good? I'm praying for all of you that said amen. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You know I love y'all. Here it is. Here it is. Jeremiah 15, 16 through 18. Jeremiah 15, 16 through 18. I was so blessed by the word because the word answers everything. If you eat it, it comes alive, right? Jeremiah says, your words were found and I ate them. Your words were found and I ate them. Your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I'm called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Then the word goes on and says, I did not sit in the assembly of mockers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because of your hand, for you have filled me with indignation. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? Jeremiah says, I found your words and I ate them. I enjoyed them. I digested them. Tasted, see that the Lord is good. I took part in them. And then it says this, I didn't sit with the mockers. You know why? Because your hand is on me. Do you realize the reason why you're not comfortable in certain environments around certain people is because his hand is on you? the reason why you can't joke like the other people joke is because the hand is on you. The reason why your whole life you were never in with the in crowd because God's hand has been on you. And the moment you realize his hand is on you, you won't feel like you're missing out being with the cool people or the in people or the nasty and dirty and perverted people. You will understand that God's hand is on my life. I can't mingle with you. I can't talk with you. I can't joke with you because God's hand is on my life. And the moment you talk about God, whether I'm serving him or not, something rises up inside of me. And I will fight you if you talk about Jesus, because God is too good to me. I might not be a church, but I know God is a good God. I might not pray like I should, but I know God is a good God. I may not worship like I should, but I know God is a good God. Do not talk about my father. Come on, something rises up on the inside of you. No, 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 no. You will not do it, you know why? Because his hand. His hand is on you. You tell your child that's rebelling right now. The reason why you don't want to play with church is because his hand is on you. His hand is on you. I will not mock God. Do you know pastor still didn't go to church for years because he knew how he was living in the world? And he said, I will not bring that into the church. And looking back at it, he had such respect and honor for God, he would not be a faker and a phony in the house of God. And you know why? Because God's hand was on him. And God said, either all of you or none of you. And some of you have kids today. You better let them know the reason why you feel that way is because the hand of God is on your life. And you will choose him because He's chose you. So here it is, the hands on your life. And then then, then Jeremiah says, I filled with indignation, meaning I get angry, I get aroused because of unjust treatment. You're not going to treat my just God that he's unjust. My God is a good God. He's got everything in control. He knows the end from the beginning, everything that we're facing. God knows everything about it. He's going to be, he's, we're going to be all right because God says so. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. We say that with dating, don't we? don't yoke with unbelievers. What about friends? What does light have to do with darkness? I'm not saying kick everybody to the curb, but at some point, you should realize, you know what, you talk about my God a lot. You joke about my church. You joke about my religion. You joke about my healing. I don't think it's funny. Because what God is doing is real. And matter of fact, what I have, you need. There was a woman that i was working with at the police department and I, I became friends with her and i didn't know why but the holy spirit always has a plan and i found out that she was a christian and had left her religion to um she was a muslim i'll just say it and i'm like okay then she tells me her parents were pastors but she left the faith i'm like oh god this is an easy one come on somebody i'm like i'm gonna get her easy because she it's in her her parents are pastors Easy, I'm gonna I'm win her back to you, Lord. So every day I would go have lunch with her on purpose, she didn't know it, but I would schedule my lunch with her so I can get an opportune time to talk to her about Jesus every moment I had because that's what we should be doing. We're salt and light, right? And I would befriend her by having lunch with her at the table. And after a while, our conversation would always go to religion, and she would talk about her religion, and I would talk about mine, I'd remind her of her old religion. She would talk about hers, I would talk about mine, and we went back and forth and back and forth. Of course, I always won, praise the Lord. And so we're a bit, a bit in a nice way. So after about three months, we go to have lunch. I sit down, and she sits down and looks at me, and she says, let me tell you this right now. Your God is dead. R- right. I said, oh, no. what, what? what? No, my God is not dead. Your God is dead. My God is yet alive. Matter of fact, he sits at the right hand of the Father, and he is a strong God. He's a risen God. He's the almighty God. He's the God that saved your soul, saved my soul. My God is all-powerful. My God reigns on high. I got loud in that, in that room. I didn't care who heard me. I said, my God is alive. He is risen with all power in his hand. He got the gate to hell. The keys from hell, and he reigns now. So don't you tell me my God is dead. I said, your God is dead. And I got my sandwich and went ate at another table and didn't talk to her anymore. <laughs> nope. My assignment was over because you will not talk about Jesus. You will not say that my God is dead, and you might think that's radical, but you have to understand, there's an indignation that should come up inside of you. That if anybody challenges you, because it wasn't her, it was that demon that she served. And I said, no, 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 let me tell you, devil, my God is alive and well, and you're on your way back to hell. Do not talk about my Savior. Do not talk about my Jesus. Go have a seat somewhere else. Bye. You are not my friend. If someone is bold enough to tell you that, you better challenge them right on back. They must be crazy. Listen, you don't tell me something should rise up in you. And if it doesn't, you let it. Don't you be ashamed of the God you serve. And don't you let people make fun of the God you serve. And the make fun of the things you are believing God for. Our God reigns on high. I don't know where she is now, but I hope she remembers that I will not back down. You want to talk about King Jesus to me? I'm firm in that. Come on, somebody. Give him a hand, praise. Hallelujah. So who are you eating with at the table? It matters who's around you, who's feeding you, who's feeding you. You know the word says that don't grow weary in well-doing. I always wonder who's feeding you to grow weary. If it says don't grow weary, that means that there's an opportunity to be weary but not grow. And if the wrong people are feeding you girl you're at that church too much you're volunteering again you do so much you're always good you're tithing again man where's the money going where's the blessing at now you're weary because the wrong people are feeding you and you're growing weary make sure the right people are at the table that are feeding you right things do you know um matthew here's my last point people of god everything on the master's table is blessed Everything on the master's table is blessed. Here's a good note here. It's not what goes in your mouth, but what comes out of your heart, comes out of your mouth, right? It doesn't even matter what goes in. Isn't God good? Jesus covers this. Here, listen, in Matthew 15, 1 through 27, for sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole 27 verses to you. But the word says this. I'm going to start 15. The scribes and the Pharisees, which are the pastors and the bishops, who were from Jerusalem, highly educated, knew the Old Testament, frontwards, inwards, backwards, comes to Jesus saying why do your disciples transgress the tradition of elders for they do not wash their hands when they eat the pastors the bishops go to jesus and say you know what we've been following your ministry and we realize you guys just aren't washing your hands before you have dinner isn't this insane Now, Levitical law talks about being clean. That's where we get the phrase, which is not biblical, but we get this term, cleanliness is next to godliness, which is nowhere in the Bible, praise the Lord. But it's from the Levitical law, that you have to be clean and do a ritual and do all these washings before you eat. So the Pharisees are like, why don't your disciples don't do that? And then, then then Jesus says to them, well, why do you transgress the commandment of God? Because of your tradition. God says, honor your mom and dad, and you're not doing that. I'm just paraphrasing. Because back then, if you were a pastor or a leader, you could actually um, let people know that you were unable to take care of your parents because you belong to God. Therefore, your money belongs to God and you don't have to financially support your dying parents. They care about the hand washing, but they got their, their parents living in a little home, not even being taken care of, okay? So Jesus is like, don't cut me with that. Don't you love Jesus? He, he's, he didn't mess around, right? so then so then jesus quotes what isaiah said in verse 8 these people draw near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips but their heart is far from me and in vain they worship me so he throws that back at them like you are the people that isaiah was prophesied you don't love god you're worried about hand washing you won't even take care of your parents you won't even honor your mother and father okay and then of course it goes on and on and then um the, 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 the Pharisees are upset, and they're offended, and then Jesus talks about it's not what goes in the mouth, what comes out, and, not, and all this, it goes on and on. Listen, it, it, just, it just baffled me that people back in the religious day cared more about the appearance than the actuality of being clean. It says this in Luke eleven thirty seven. 37, um, it says, Luke eleven thirty seven. just for fun, it says this, and he spoke, Jesus spoke with a certain Pharisee, and asked him to dine with them. Jesus said, let's have dinner. And so he went in and sat down to eat. And when the Pharisees Pharisees saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed his hands before dinner. The Pharisee marveled, astonished, one translation says. One says he was greatly surprised, amazed, disgusted that Jesus did not wash his hands before dinner. Now, he's healing people. He's getting blind eyes open, deaf ears to hear. People are getting demons rebuked. People feeding the 5,000 people. But I know you're doing all that, but you didn't wash your hands? Aren't we crazy as people? We see the miracles, but I'm going to find one flaw. You know what? You're nasty. Now, low-key, that is nasty. Can I get an amen? Praise the Lord. I don't know what that was all about. I'm trying to prove a point. Praise. I guess what it's saying is whatever Jesus touches clean. I don't know. It helps my mind if I think that. But anyway, he didn't wash his hands. And so then Jesus says this, Jesus says this in verse 39, but rather give alms for things that you have, all things are made clean. Meaning that, listen, everything, everything I do makes it clean. Okay, there's my whole point. But it was an issue over washing hands before dinner. Tell your neighbor the table matters. The table matters. So after that story, Matthew 15 and 21, we come to show a Gentile, or an unbeliever show her faith to Jesus. And you all know this story. It's a story about the Canaanite woman that came to see Jesus while he was having dinner, again, at the table, and the woman of God walks in. She wasn't a woman of God yet, but I guess she was a woman of God because she was walking in faith. But anyway, the Canaanite woman walks in and says, hey, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And understand this, her being a Canaanite woman meant that she came from descendants that were direct um, enemies of God. A Canaanite woman did not believe in God. They were pagan, they, they worshipped idols, they were paganistic believers. They had nothing to do with God. But this woman somehow heard the truth of Jesus and knew that he was the Messiah, which is why he call, she called him son of David, explaining that she knew he came from the lineage that had been prophesied that he was truly the king. So son of David, son of David, have mercy on me. And then the word of God says that Jesus answered her not a word. And then the verse goes on and says, the disciples said, hey, get her out of here. She's bothering you. Because when God ignored her, they assumed that he didn't care. But then Jesus looks at the disciples and says, listen, I was not to be here except for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, I'm not here just for you all. I'm here for this one too. Aren't you glad about it? That a Gentile, a Canaanite, still can get the attention of Jesus Christ. So she's sitting there, and then then, then the woman says, Lord, help me and then he says again it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs and i love the scripture in the bible because to me jesus is just a trip he called this woman a dog i'm sorry it could be my interpretation in my own mind but no man is going to call me a female dog nobody you will not call me out of my name can i get an amen if I was this Canaanite woman, I would have got my stuff and took myself right out and said, My daughter just got to be the exorcist. Praise the Lord. Because I'm not going to have nobody call me no name. But she humbled herself and she didn't care about what he was being called. He didn't care about the name he was called. She says, Here's a revelation. She says, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. She said, Call me what you want. I need what you got. I don't care that I'm not yours. I understand I don't belong to you, but please, I need you to bless me. My daughter is sick. My daughter is demon-possessed. My daughter that you gave me, God, needs to be healed in the name of Jesus. And Jesus rises up and says, oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be done to you as you desire. And the daughter was healed at that very hour. So in other words, Jesus was saying that listen, you're not at the table, but because you're around the table, That is close enough for you to get what I got for you. And that's my word for you today. You might not be at the table, but if you're around the table, if you're around Jesus, if you're around the church, if you're around the word, if you're around the worship, if you're around the preaching, if you're around the teaching, that's close enough for you to get the crumb that falls off the master's table. And let me tell you, a crumb from the master can change your life. Come on and give God praise in this house. Come on, church. Come on, he's the God of more than enough. He's got more than enough in a crumb that can heal your body, that can make the cricket strike, that can get that demon delivered out of your life. Come on, give God praise for the crumb.
1: gotta understand
0: it doesn't take much he is the God of overflow a little bit goes a long way when it comes to Jesus a little bit goes a long way when it comes to the things of God and I want to encourage you today that if you haven't been at the table you around it is good enough and Jesus said you get it I just need you to be close enough for me to touch you close enough for me to bless you close enough for you to humble yourself and take that little piece of nothing that falls from that table and that nothing can begin something in your life and i know he can do it isn't it interesting how the woman said son of david have mercy on me she was referencing to the fact that you let mephibosheth sit at your table please let me sit at this table i need to be with the king that can give me everything that i need so remember this the table matters The table matters. Remember what drives you to the table. What are you thirsting and hungering for? If you're out there in the world and you're not satisfied, it's because you need Jesus Christ in your life. You're not satisfied. That's why the club gets old. And cheating gets old. And drugs get old. And women get old. And men get old. Pornography gets old. Come on, somebody. Getting drunk and drinking and throwing up. That all gets old because you're not satisfying your soul for what it needs. What, what are you eating at the table? Are you eating the good bread of life? Or are you eating just nonsense that's going to turn into sugar and turn into fat and just weigh you down in the spirit? Well, who are you sitting with at the table? Is there someone in your life you need to cut off? And let them know, you know what, I'm done. You make fun of my God. I love you. I pray for you. But I don't have to. I'm moving my sandwich and myself to another table. And know this, like being around the table is good enough. Just be close enough to get to the crumbs. If Satan is telling you, you don't belong in the house of God because you're not good enough and you're not this enough and you don't do this enough, rebuke that thought in Jesus' name. God is saying, please get close enough to me so you can get, so I can drop some of this on you, so I can give some of this of what you need. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for your Holy Spirit that's here. I praise you, Lord God, that you are moving in this house. No one moving unless you absolutely have to move, please. Ushers, can you help me with that? If you're here right now and you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I ask that you feel his presence and you feel that tug in your heart and that you respond to that in Jesus' name.